This is the One Thing Podcast, where we teach you the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. The one thing is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And in order for you to actually achieve extraordinary results, it means you can't follow the ordinary path. You can't do what most people do because if you do what they do, you're gonna get the results that they get. That's not what extraordinary is. Today's episode hopefully will really expand your mind in terms of what's possible. I first heard the person you're gonna meet today being interviewed on the Bigger Pockets podcast, which is a huge podcast for real estate investors. And he was so well spoken. And the thing that was most impressive was how he told the story of discovering the one thing when he was 17 years old in college, realizing that the normal path of going to college and getting a good job wasn't the path for him. He ended up dropping out of college, starting a real estate investing company. And by the time he was 19 years old, he had made over $1 million in 18 months. Our reason for sharing this with you today is because we want you to understand how you too can achieve extraordinary results. The first step was he invested in his education. He invested his time listening to podcasts and reading books. And the second step was he actually put what he was learning into action. And as he was taking action, his third step was he started to spot patterns behind what actually led to the results he desired. And the fourth was to start building models and systems so that other people could do those things so he could focus on his one thing. Our hope as you listen to this episode is that you start to challenge why you're doing what you're doing. If what you're currently doing is the best that you can do? Or should you be asking a different question, which is, what's the best that can be done? And based on that, what's the one thing you can do such that by doing it would make everything else easier or unnecessary? With that, let's get into this conversation with Will Brown. Eating healthy is an investment. It's an investment in yourself, but it also often requires an investment of your time. But good news is Factor has delicious ready-to-eat meals that are ever fresh and never frozen. They're chef-created, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. With Factor, you can choose from a weekly menu of up to 35 options, including popular things like Calorie Smart or Keto Direction or Protein Plus or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover 60 more add-ons every week like breakfast on the go, lunch, snacks, beverages to help you stay fueled, feel good all day. And we know our listeners here at The One Thing are focused on health and health goals. That's why we choose to partner with Factor. And if you visit factormeals.com slash 150 and use code 150, you can get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Again, that's factormeals.com slash ONE50 and use code ONE50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. Well, take us back to your life when you were first introduced to the idea of the one thing. When I first heard about the one thing, it was on a Bigger Pockets podcast, listening to some real estate investors when I was very frustrated in college and was just never had been able to reconcile, never haven't been able to put the pieces together that me being in college, me, you know, me being in high school, me following the path 
that other people were telling me to go was, was absolutely the right one for me. And inside of that, I read these books because I was learning how to do real estate investing. And pretty much just when I first heard it and when I heard the methodologies from it, I was like, ah, that's the medicine I need. Because I was in college, I was working like 12 hours a day, making like $10 a day because I had was building all these different startups. Like I had an e-commerce drop shipping. I was picking up trash from my dorm-like roommates. I was in all these clubs and I was doing so many things, but nothing was really moving forward. And so I, when I first heard the one thing, I immediately bought it. And I was like, this is going to be the book. I created it that way. That was going to sort of peel back the curtain and allow me to focus because it would give me... I felt some reason to want to focus. And that's where I was at. That's how I discovered it. You said something that's interesting. Give me a reason to want to focus. What do you mean by that? I think being brought up and and having really just been in the school system, it was all about put as much hard work as you can into as many things as you can, become as well-rounded as you can. And that's how you'll get happy. That's how you'll live a full life. That's how you become successful, right? That's how you get what you want. And so inside of that, I never heard someone say that you can do more by doing less. It was this completely abstract concept to me. And, but it was attractive. It, 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 it sounded delicious. It sounded like, I want to try that. It's, and inside of that, giving me sort of reasons and a justification, some evidence for me to try on that new paradigm in which I viewed the things that I was doing in which that I could view everything. You get the book. You read the book. What'd you realize? I think I realized my humanity. I realized that I'm, a, I'm you know, bounded by space and time. I'm a human being with these limbs walking around with a finite amount of time, a finite amount of energy, and all these different things that I wanted to do. And I'd been trying to go about the way of doing a little bit of a lot, and I just saw that it wasn't working. And so inside of it, what really struck me was it was like justification. It was, it was a path. It was someone's speed. It was a guide to me on, yes. You don't need to have everything balanced. The, you know, think in the way that you think, everything is not of equal portions, right? But you can go very deep into something and then you can come back and then you can go very deep into that thing. And what I really realized was what I'd been trying to do was I was going a mile wide and an inch deep, as mm-hmm. they say. And this gave me permission is almost the word. I think permission, because I've never been told I could do this. This is not the way the school system works, Right. You can't just go into one subject and let your other ones fail. They'll say you're off track. They'll say you're doing something wrong. It gave me permission to go an inch wide and a mile deep. What did that look like? What, what tactically did you start doing or stop doing to go an inch wide and a mile deep while you're in college? Yeah, I did an audit of the things that I was putting my time into. I actually took inventory of all the different things I was doing. And I was looking at if I was to be successful in each one, if I was to get everything that I want in each one, where would each of those take me? And I saw that a lot of them had very low ceilings. I saw that a lot of them were just um, justification for keeping busy because when I felt busy, I felt productive. I hadn't been able to distinguish between the two yet in my life. And so where that took me was looking at this, this seed, this, this little plant I was growing called real estate investing, this uh, 
knowing this understanding of this industry that this could actually be my ride out, that this could actually be the way because I realized who, who says how many houses I could buy, who says how many offers I could make, who says how far I could scale that. Everything else had a very serious cap. And so where that took me was number one, Xing, crossing off everything else, not just you know on paper, but also in my mind. I pretty much stopped going to class. I pretty much stopped my club activity. And what I did is I like with book in hand, I went to the library and said, okay, it says I need to get a bunker. And I went to the third floor and I tried to find the most like exclusive, like out of the way little room that had this little window that no one would bother me. And I just sat down there and I started putting it together. And I started putting together inside my one thing at the time, which was building a real estate investing company and be able to buy and flip houses. And this this time I was um I was I was 17, you know, 18 years old. And that's where it took me was to that little room with a little window where I'd spend a lot more time in the coming months. We need to pause here. Cause you're already saying things that are probably challenging the majority of the people who are listening to this, what they think is possible. You're talking about starting mm. a real estate investing company, not even just buying your first house or your first investment property. You're talking about starting a real estate investing company and you're 17. What made you think you could do that? I think it was the the question was not like, what makes me think I can do this? But what what makes me think I can't? It was, what's the reason I can't? I had been building evidence, listening to hundreds of podcasts of people who came from all different walks of life and was doing it. And so that gave me the confidence, you know, the sort of, why not me? What's in the way? What am I not understanding here that stops most people? So I want to pause there. You listen to a podcast. You were listening to Bigger Pockets. And you heard story after story after story of people who became real estate investors. And so you said, why not me? Yeah. And, 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 and here's the thing. I have learned whether it's an individual who's trying to live the one thing to a company that's trying to scale it as part of their culture. Just because you can't say immediately how it's going to be done doesn't mean it can't be done. This applies to starting a business. This applies to having an extraordinary career. This applies to, as, as tactically when it comes to the one thing, being able to say no to things. Just because you can't say exactly how you're going to do it doesn't mean it can't be done. The difference for you, Will, is you started searching. You searched for the answers. You weren't surrounded by real estate investors, so you did the next best thing that you could do. You started listening to podcasts and hearing the stories of investors, whether you knew them as a actual one-on-one relationship or not. You get clarity that maybe college is not the actual path for you. You get clarity that all the clubs, all the startup businesses may not be the thing. But the one thing is starting a real estate investing company. Before we even dive into how you did this, you started a real estate investing company to the point that it was bringing in at some points 100 grand a month and you're 19 years old. There's nothing, there's nothing weird to me about the time. I was still head down, you know, working and building and like I, and for me, I was in one market and I was starting to consider that, wow, this thing is cookie cutter. There's not a whole lot of complexity. We built systems and people and processes, and I could bring this to five, 10, 20 different markets. And I was considering doing it. I was yep. seriously considering doing it. So let's dive into the how. 
So I, I wanted to go there first because I don't want people just waiting till the end of the episode to realize what this became. They need to understand. You're 17. You read the book. You realize everything I've been saying yes to, I've been saying yes to because everybody told me to say yes to it. And for the first time in your life, you're asking, but what's my one thing? And this becomes the lead domino. And you have some pretty extraordinary success before the age of 20. How'd you go about doing it? I think a lot of people, when they want to do something, they, they want to follow a recipe that someone's, someone's made before. You know, that works really well for baking a cake. Um, but the thing about, you know, baking a cake is it's not so dependent on you. It's very much just a process. What I got, what I started to discover was because of the way that I entered into this industry. Because I wasn't just trying to, because I started listening to these podcasts when I was when I was like 15, 16. I wanted to get a whole picture. Like it was like one big jigsaw puzzle to me. And I want to get a whole pictures of all of real estate, not just a very small sliver of what I was trying to do. And because of that, I got to start to see how things connect. I got to start to see the patterns and the flows and and how how markets move. And I got an understanding of that, not reading it from a book, but being able to listen to something, then go seeing where it applies. And so it was a ton of iteration and it was just an aggressiveness towards opening up the bottlenecks that were preventing us from doing more. I felt like there was just this energy that was just wanting to come through and that I was the bottleneck. Like I had this, this nearly infinite capacity and it was just the things that I was choosing to put my time into, my time, right? As the visionary, as the creator of this, that was the bottleneck. It wasn't something out in the world. It was me. And when I tried that paradigm on, I got to see, wow, okay, time to start working with other people, time to start using systems. And every single thing, we just kept very... We measured our KPIs and we saw what was lacking, where are we getting stopped? And rather than making it bad and wrong or saying, well, that's the way it is, we got creative. We said, well, what can we do about this? So let me recap this. Step one, you just started listening to podcasts to educate yourself. Step two, you did what most people listening to a podcast don't do. You applied it. And when you started taking action in the real world, you started to look for patterns. We call this benchmarking and trending. You're actually getting educated on where the industry is going, where the puck is going, looking for the patterns and building models and systems around those patterns. Sounds so simple. You finish two semesters of school. You have this aha. You move down to Virginia, a new market for, for real estate. You're 18 at the time. Most people, when they think about buying a house, they think they have to save up enough money for the down payment. And then get a conventional loan and have enough credit and all that stuff. You're 18. You don't have the money for the down payment. So how do you get to the point where you start acquiring six, seven homes a month? Yeah, I've got a huge grin on my face right now to everyone that's listening because where that would stop most people, I again I got creative. And and that's sort of the secret sauce is when you have what you need to like follow the book, you're probably going to follow the book and you're probably going to get the results that the book tells you that you're going to get. But when you don't qualify, when you just opened up your first line of credit because one of your friends put you on as an authorized user on the credit card, and I, I'm showing the banks this you know, revenue in the very beginning doing these deals, and I couldn't even get a $200 unsecured credit card 
I just had to let go of the idea that I was going to be able to get conventional financing for properties. I had to let go of the idea that I could play by the book in this way. And so what did I do, right? And listening to the listening to the podcast, right? I heard, you know, I remember it was Josh and Brandon in the early days. I said, okay, well, you know, they're talking about the market crash. Well, I'll wait for the market crash and you know, I'll just sit on the couch until then. Not at all. I started listening and I started doing specific research into how to buy properties without those bank loans. What are the different exit strategies that we can do? What are the different tools that are available? How can I legally ethically write all these things, act with integrity, and use these new creative tools to provide far better solutions, create far greater win-win opportunities than if I had just, like I said, followed the recipe. And that's when you discovered wholesaling? That's when I discovered wholesaling, owner financing, creative financing. I own properties now. you know, And all it is was sitting down, having a conversation and saying, Hey, here's what I've done. Here's what I'm looking to do. What do you want? Here's what I want. Let's see what we can make happen. For for people who are not familiar, what is wholesaling? Wholesaling is the very, very simple process that most people overcomplicate of having conversations with people that want to sell their properties and they're looking for alternate options than having to go through, renovate, list it with an agent themselves. You contract that property at a price. And then for me... I brought a lot of honesty and integrity. So I told everyone exactly what I was doing. And I said, I've got a list of buyers. I have people that are flipping so many properties. They're not going out doing marketing on their own. Here's, you know, they close. We need to schedule an appointment. I'm going to have them come through. I'm going to negotiate with them. And then we're contracted with a seller. And then I just simply sell that contract through an assignment to that end buyer. So you locked the... If I wanted to sell my home... I sign a contract with you to sell it to you. You're turning around and selling that contract to the actual buyer who has the money and you make a split. Exactly. I never had to close them. And that's what led to you doing $60,000, $100,000 a month in revenue. Yeah. And, and inside of that, it's, it's, it was just market inefficiency. right? And most of the time as well, I was coming in with higher... Even though I still had a margin for myself, I was coming in with higher offers. Because again, whereas most people just simply thought that, you know, here's a formula, you know, you buy the property at 70% of the after repair value minus the repairs, and then you can sell it for a couple points more. I found the guys in the market that were turning and burning, that were doing volume, that could pay more. And so I could pay more. And so more of that inefficiency actually stayed in the seller's pocket. And I was able to run a business where we were volume-based as well. So I want to pivot into how you started getting purposeful with your time. You're no longer in college. You're down in Virginia. At the beginning, you're doing everything. And pretty quickly, you start to realize that doing everything is not going to get you where you want to go. Take us to that moment. Yeah. I think I discovered the the 80-20 rule uh, along that, and I read this book called the 8020, you know, book of sales and marketing, or whatever. And it was like 5 a.m. and I was working out in the morning because again, I, I had a great morning routine because I had to go and turn and burn on the phones for eight to 10 hours a day to, to make it happen. And I just dropped the weights at my side that I was lifting. It was like, holy crap. And here's the holy crap moment for me. You know, the 8020 rule is if you have a sales room of a hundred people. 20% of the people, 20 of those people are going to generate 80% of the sales for the company. 80 of those people are only going to generate 20% of the sales for the company. And I was like, okay, yeah, that works in sales. And they're like, think about cars on the road. 
80% of cars in the US drive on 20% of the roads. Same way the other way around. 20% of cars drive on 80% of the roads. And when you think about geography and you think about population hubs like cities and rural areas, it starts to make sense. And then they're like, in nature, this rule applies as well. 80% of sap in trees flows through 20% of veins. I was like, oh my God, this is everywhere. This is a law of nature, just like gravity. And so I applied that to the things I was doing. I was looking at you know, extrapolating the dollar per hour rate, not just of what I was making, right? Because you could say if I was spending eight hours a day and everything that I was doing had to be done and I was making so much money, just divide out the time and that's my dollar per hour. Not at all. That's how it works today in corporate America, right? And the reason that that does not, that's not actually true. Well, it, it, it's true, but it's not fully encompassing because inside of that 80 20, inside of that 20%, there's another 80 20. So you square it. And so when I saw that, 4% of my input, 4% of the time I was spending on things every single day was generating 64% of the revenues. I was like, and I was looking, what can I pay someone else to do this other 96%? And it wasn't that much. It was like 10, 15, $20 an hour. And I was able to start putting the pieces together to look at, okay, well, if I just did this, right? If I just did this, and what I realized is my highest dollar per hour time was having conversations with motivated sellers, right? It was not spending time leaving voicemails for them to call me back. It was not spending time driving to properties. It was time in person having conversations. And so I found someone to qualify people. I found someone to take care of all the paperwork. I wouldn't even upload contracts myself anymore. I'd come by, I'd give it, I had an assistant. She was working out of my apartment with me. I'd come home from a couple appointments, drop the contract on her desk and knew it was taken care of because I built a system and a process for that, which allowed me to not only do more of things, but to continue to think in this way because now I wasn't spending eight to 10 hours a day. I was spending just a few hours a day and the rest of it thinking about what else can I take off my plate. And you're how old at this point? Now I'm uh this is this is still this is still 2019. This is still 19. I invest a lot of my time working with our corporate partners. Companies that want to better drive the one thing through their organization, whether they have literally 15, 20 employees to the Fortune 500. When we start working with them, every person is telling this story. I have to be in my email. I have to be at the meeting. I have to say yes when somebody asks if I got a minute. If my boss asks me to do something, I have to do it. What they don't do is qualify it. They don't actually ask the question that you naturally asked by just reading books and listening to podcasts. What's my 20%? What are the 20% priorities that drive 80% of my results? And how do I start to invest more of my time in the 20%? And by knocking that domino down, you realize that there was a 20% of the 20%. There was a 4% of your time that was driving the majority of your results. And then looking and going, okay, I don't get to just stop doing everything else. I need they, those things still need to be done. Models and systems need to be created so I can hand it to a person who this can be part of their 
And for those of you who are entrepreneurs, this is 100% within your control. For those of you that are employees inside an organization, if you do not have the latitude to just go hire people and seek leverage, this is where having the weekly conversation, in our case, a 411, it's a tool used to give people clarity on their priorities, enables this clarity and alignment between the leader and the direct report. Because I promise you, every leader wants their people investing their time on the most important things. And if they're clear how you're investing that, they will partner with you to find solutions on what to do with the other 80%. It is within your control. Yet for some reason, people don't think it is. And it's because they followed the path that everybody else follows without asking why. And the leader rarely has any valuable answers. The leader's job is to ask questions. And so if I was to work inside of a company, right, very quickly, I would either be promoted rapidly or fired even faster. It would only be one or the other. (laughs) It would only be one or the other because I would be annoying. And I was annoying to the very first people that I started mentoring under. They would not have me back because I started asking questions of why. And for most people, they get to this... For most companies and and people, they get to this place of stability. And sometimes stability is seen as, as comfort. But what it really is, is they've stopped asking questions. And now they've opened themselves up to attack. And they've opened themselves up to attack by disruption, by innovation by a changing landscape. Mm. And so if I was an employee in a company, number first thing, I would... I would, And I, I, I can't tell you how many copies of the one thing I've just bought and just throw at people. And then I'm like, let's have a conversation after you read this. I, I could try, but just read this thing and have a conversation. I, I'd have a conversation about what's possible with, um, with my boss. And I'd have a conversation around like, where are we starting to see some inefficiencies? And I don't care if it's there's 17 layers of managers between me and the CEO. I will make my way. If I keep getting resistance, I'm going to go to the person above them. This is what I mean. I would not fit well into corporate politics. And so the culture that I created at my company is such that, again, it's I think the smartest people, I think the most intelligent people in the world have the best questions and know that they have no answers. And when I try that on as a leader, I started becoming a lot less arrogant and a lot more inspiring. You know, I gave people the ability to have a role where they could discover for themselves and they could grow. That's the impact of that on human persona. We can talk about productivity, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Our definition of leadership is teaching people how to think. And the only way you teach people how to actually think is by asking questions more often then you give answers. The challenge is leaders often give the answers because it's faster. Or they don't trust that people can come up with them. But that lead domino, and I literally did a 66-day challenge on this to become the type of person who asks great questions. I just had to ask one question a day when I naturally would have told. It has changed every area of my life from being a better husband, better father. If you go back to episode one of this show and listen to every episode and now, you will hear the difference. You will actually hear it. And, and what you're saying, Will, is, is tremendously powerful. I want to fast forward. You're running a very successful real estate investing business at 19 years old. And you have a massive aha. You're hitting up against the ceiling of achievement. While financially, you're successful. You don't actually feel wealthy. 
And I say that word specifically because Gary Keller's definition of wealth is having the passive income to fund your life's purpose. You realize you were missing a sense of purpose, that real estate was not actually you fulfilling your mission. Walk us through that. So at the end of a business mastermind in Cabo, in a conversation, I, I, I saw that real estate was not going to, to take me to where I wanted to go. And so like most 20-year-olds do naturally, decided that I was going to start phasing that out and that I was going to drive across the country from Virginia to California and build an artificial intelligence company to democratize intelligence and open up access for everyone to a store of intelligence of which I knew I was just beginning to tap into, but I wanted to build a platform for for people to download their 20% of what they know for other people to take advantage of and to be able to go from there. Reflecting back on your journey, the last four years, that's insane, man, four years. What advice would you give to somebody who's listening to this, who is realizing they've just followed the path because it was the path that was shown to them, not that it's necessarily the path that's their path? What's the one thing they can do to begin exploring what that path might be? I would say to think about why we have the dreams that we have. I'm not going to say go chase your dreams. Everyone else says that. That doesn't work. But to think that there might be, it might be part of a greater design. There might be a purpose that you're here to fulfill on. And there's nothing to figure out out in the world. And there's nothing that's lacking. There's just resistance. And there's just these limitations that we get to dissolve and the layers that we get to peel back. And that's what I would leave people with is that it's, it's all internal if the goal is to live life as an authentic self, which I have it as the most powerful type of life we can live. And it's a beautiful, like the image for me of just in the world that I see in the world that I'm creating is where every single person lives their life as their authentic self. And it all weaves together in this tapestry where for the things that bother us, we go out and build solutions for them. We're continuing to create, we're continuing to stand on each other's shoulders, you know, reaching higher and higher. That's what I leave people with is think about why you have the dreams and the passions and the desires that you have and that there might be a purpose behind that. And to get even more tactical, the one thing you can do to think about why you have the dreams you have is to literally open your calendar and block time where you will sit down with a pen and a piece of paper. At the top, you will write, why do I have the dreams that I have? You'll put your phone on airplane mode, your email, your computer won't even be by you, and you will start journaling. Can you sit down, ask, why do I have the dreams that I have, and start journaling? Will, where can people learn more about you? I'm on Instagram, will.jbrown. I'm on Twitter as well, willbrownai. Very, very creative name right there. Yep. And then if you want to learn more about what we're doing, the company website is achieveintelligenttechnologies.com. Well, there you have it, our conversation with Will Brown. The things that really stand out to me are first and foremost, the simple idea of learning and applying what you're learning. He's 17 years old. He read the one thing. How many of you have read the one thing? But 
don't honestly feel like you put it into action. He listened to the podcast. He put it into action. So he was just learning and applying. And the second thing that stands out to me is reducing the bottlenecks, reducing the resistance. There are so many places in our lives where we tell ourselves the story that we can't do it this way or it has to be done a certain way. And the thing that I respect about Will is he asks the question, why? And then he searches for the answer. You can tell by now he's a pretty thoughtful guy. He invests a material amount of his time in asking questions and searching for answers. And because he does those things, he has an immense amount of clarity and has had a pretty extraordinary path so far in his life. Our sincere hope is that this episode expanded your mind in terms of what's possible. And for you, the path to getting everything you want, it starts by getting just one thing at a time. So you think big in terms of your goals and start by going small and trusting that the dominoes will fall. With that, I have to ask you the question, what's the one thing you can do? Such that by doing it, everything else would be easier or unnecessary. And can you just whack away at that lead domino first? When you do that, you'll ensure that this episode was an amazing investment of your time and not an expense. If this episode has brought value to you, please share it with somebody. Who's somebody you know that needs to hear this? Maybe they have kids and they will expand their mind in terms of what's possible for their children. Maybe it's somebody who is just in a rut that hopefully this will expand their mind in terms of what's possible for them. And if you're new to the podcast, please click the subscribe button. That allows all future episodes to automatically be downloaded to your device of choice. And while you're at it, if you would leave us a rating and review, not only do we read everyone, it genuinely helps us reach more people and fulfill our purpose, which is to help you better invest your time so you can achieve extraordinary results. I'm your host, Jeff Woods. We look forward to being with you in the next episode.